Hi, everyone. I'm Shelly Cameron, CEO of the City of Philadelphia's Division of Aviation, and this is our podcast, Taking Off. May is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. This annual celebration recognizes the cultural and historical contributions of people and organizations who identify as AAPI in the United States. The Philadelphia International Airport recognizes all AAPI employees, businesses, and organizations that contribute to not only the airport success, but the entire region's success. In this episode, I am thrilled to be joined by my friend, the Asian American Chamber of Commerce of Greater Philadelphia's president and CEO, Kain Zah. Kain, thank you so much for taking time to join me for this episode. Shelly, thank you so much for having me here. So listen, you know, we were talking about folks to interview for AAPI month. My head immediately went back to that day in October when we met. And I think it was your first day on the job. It is true. It was my first day. (laughs) Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the event that we met at? Absolutely. First of all, hello everyone. My name is Kai. My full name is Kai Nguyen Ninzo. I am a Burmese descent American, and this is my eighth year in the United States. Last October, I joined Asian American Chamber of Commerce of Greater Philadelphia, and I met Shelly on my first day of work, <laughs> which is our annual award banquet where we recognize the outstanding businesses and nonprofit organizations that are owned and that are run by Asian Americans in greater Philadelphia. So every year in October, we gather together and we have about 200 to 300 businesses and entrepreneurs that attend our annual award banquet. And Shelly was our keynote speaker and it was incredible. We get to learn so much about the operations of PHL and all the amazing opportunities that Philadelphia International Airport offers. It was very inspiring and the conversation was invigorating. I still remember. (laughs) So listen, I mean, you know, you're talking about things that I said that were inspiring. I was inspired by you. You know, there you were, your first day on the job, interacting with members, people who were counting on you to lead the work. What does this role mean to you? being the president and CEO of the Asian American Chamber? It really means a lot. And I don't say it lightly because our chairman and my predecessor, Nick Chenoy, he has done an incredible, incredible job just bringing the communities together. He founded this chamber over 10 years ago, but he is also leading another chamber called Penn Asian Association of Greater Philadelphia. So Nick has this mindset of just bringing communities together by giving them the right resources, where to find these resources and how to grow these resources to work for the benefit of not just your family and your business, but also for the entire Asian American community. So to be able to represent the chamber as the president and CEO after, you know, Nick has done all this work, that's a big shoe to fill, but it's, it's also an incredible honor. Yeah, I think you are well up to the task, my friend, well up to the task. So, you know, you talked about providing resources and COVID has been such a trial for all of us to go through. I mean, aviation was hit pretty badly and I know a lot of your businesses were as well. Can you talk about what you're doing as an organization to support your members during this time and especially now as we come out of COVID? 
Absolutely. The first thing that we tried to do was to give them information on where to get you know, vaccines, because many communities, especially communities that don't really speak the language or understand English, it was very difficult for them to know where to go and get the vaccines. And secondly is who is eligible for the vaccines and the list goes on. And as for businesses, there were a lot of closures. There are a lot of mandates that they need to follow. And really Asian American businesses have a very unique challenge of speaking multiple languages. As you are aware, Shelley, we speak over 50 languages in coming from Asia alone, even my own country, Myanmar, we speak over 50 languages just being inside Myanmar. Philadelphia has so many Asian immigrants and for them to get the right resource starts with understanding their own language. So we have to translate in their own languages, hey, this is where you can go and get your, your vaccines. And if you need help, you know, call Office of Immigrant Affairs. They have translators line up for you. If you need help applying for grant and loans, for example, PPP loans, these are the banks that can give, that can offer you. These are the CDFIs that you can call. You know, those little information help them tremendously managing their stress and also dealing with uncertainties. I should have, but I wasn't thinking about the language barriers and how you could serve that role in helping people to navigate this. Look, I, even if English is your first language, some of the programs that were out there were difficult to navigate. And so I think it's really important that you were able to help the businesses in that way. Absolutely. I wish we could have done more, but I think Nick was able to connect with the leaders of other Asian American chambers, for example, like Korean associations, Cambodian associations. We have so many associations that are well established mm -hmm. and they have programs that can really help their communities. So I want to go back to your personal journey because I, I meant it when I said that I think you're an inspiration. Would you please share some of your journey with us? I mean, I know that you spent some time in Tokyo and you were a Burmese speaking translator at one point and here you are in the United States. Can you tell our listeners about your personal journey? So I was in Japan from 2006 until 2013 April. I did my master's and PhD at the University of Tokyo as a scholar. I was a scholar for a Japanese government. It's known as MEC scholarship and it was given to students from developing countries and Myanmar was one of them. I had to take a lot of tests and for many students like me from developing countries, getting a scholarship is really the only goal we had growing up. And, you know, United States was a faraway dream for me, but circumstances have brought me here. I am a mother of an eight-year-old boy who was born here. So if I take my son anywhere else, he's going to be treated as a foreigner. This is his country. And that gives me an inspiration to be integrated fully into this community. And eight years ago, when I was brought here, I just got my PhD and I was working as a strategist at Mitsui & Co. I didn't really get a chance to explore that job opportunity. I was brought here to be my son's mother. My marriage didn't work out, but what I gained was the community support. Every single person that I have met have treated me like their own, whether 
I was an American citizen or not didn't matter to them. They really took me in, helped me with my healing, helped me help other women that are looking for ways to contribute to their communities. And that's how I founded my, my skincare business, which used Burmese cooking recipes. And I started it with another mom in a town called Makanji in the Lehigh Valley. And we were making homemade soaps, lip care. And then I took a course to understand, you know, how to really make, you know, sustainable skincare products. It was an incredible journey because we were recognized immediately through Facebook and social media and we have customers in 22 countries before COVID hit. And because we are perishable, since it's organic, handmade products, COVID really put a big challenge for us to continue our business that way. And then also the political situation in Myanmar, I, I, I'm sure many people are aware of it. In February of 2021, we had a military takeover of the sitting government in Myanmar. And that really impacted so many businesses like mine. You know, all those circumstances have really made me who I am today. And I just can't pick one experience to share with the audience. This is my journey. This is what made me follow this dream. No, it's, I really can't do that. Everything comes to play. Every single person that have really shown me the way have really impacted me, including you, Shelly. For me, women CEO leading a great organization like PHL gave me so much inspiration that I can do this because there are women like Shelly, there are, there are women like Dr. Lee, who, by the way, just won U.S. Small Business Award for running a minority-owned, women-owned. She's a, she's a medical doctor that's running a, a multi-million dollar enterprise medical facility that's employing so many hardworking Americans too. So all of that come to play. And I think if I have to summarize it, my journey is the journey of so many women, so many immigrants, so many people that are trying to not survive, but live a life with a purpose. I think it's really appropriate that you were an entrepreneur before you came to run the chamber, because so many of your members are entrepreneurs. Right. And so what kinds of things do you think that that experience has given you that are helping you in your new position? One thing I would like to point out is culture plays a very important role, especially for Asian American businesses. There are only 39 to 40% Asian American women that identify themselves as entrepreneurs because traditionally, especially in Asia, girls are taught to be teachers or doctors or just you know, pick up a craft and just learn how to climb the corporate ladder, not to use their creativity in a way where they are praised for their creativity or, you know, run the business. So being an entrepreneur is very different from being a business owner. And I would encourage people to understand that difference because when you're an entrepreneur, your main focus is to stay creative and keep innovating, always pursuing your dream with that creativity. But when you're a business owner, you have to deal with paying taxes on, on time, making sure that you know, your, your payroll is, is correct and, and you know, all the other admin stuff is, is working well. So 
I want to take that experience and, you know, use it in, in my nonprofit work now and stay creative because I think it's really important to inspire our members to stay creative because when they are creative, they're going to share that message with others that are following their footsteps that are aspiring to become the next entrepreneurs. So a couple of minutes ago, you talked about being in business and being in business with a purpose in mind. Can you talk about the purpose that you had in mind when you formed your companies and what kinds of things you've been able to do outside of just the business? Absolutely. For me, the number one goal was to raise the awareness that it takes more than just a will to survive for domestic violence victims. I have worked extensively with survivors of sex trafficking and domestic violence since I started my research in 2008. Many of the survivors, unfortunately, became victims again and again, and it's because they lost hope in the due process. So when I started connecting with the community here, I have seen both men and women surviving domestic violence, and and their coping mechanisms are just extraordinary. And for me, when we were making these handmade products, 70% of our proceeds go back to local organizations like Belly Against Sex Trafficking, Truth for Women, organizations that are really making a difference on a day-to-day basis. And we also bring in, especially moms and veterans that want to learn how to make, you know, just soaps to give them a purpose that with your own hands, you can create something. And that if this is your hobby, you can turn it into profitable business. So that helps them bring back the dignity that they may have lost during the process of, you know, surviving. And that gives them a purpose, any purpose to keep on not surviving, but the will to live. I think that's pretty amazing. See, that's why I talked about you as being such an inspiration. I want to pivot back to COVID for a minute too. And while everyone here was in lockdown, you were in a situation that was much worse than just a lockdown. I don't know if you're comfortable sharing some of this part of your story, but if you are, I'd love to have our listeners hear a little bit about your experience. Yes. During COVID, it was extremely difficult to operate the business because we had employees and unfortunately we couldn't stay open because no one was allowed to stay at the store. So that was the the first challenge. But the second challenge was my personal experience with protests. My family in, in Myanmar, they are still with the Burmese government. So in the middle of dealing with COVID challenges, this political uprising happened in Myanmar. And unfortunately, when you work for governments in countries like Myanmar, as civil servants, you don't really have a say or you don't really have a choice. As for me, I have, I am an American citizen and I started my business completely separate from my parents or any of my family members there. But when the political uprising happened, my business and especially me and my son became the collateral. We were an easier target for many protesters. I I would like to say radicals that would target me as the daughter of my father. They would use me and my son. I don't know what they're thinking, but they would post our pictures with captions that says, find them, punish them, where I finally had to move my son to a different school so that I protect him. I don't know what the purpose behind it, 
but we had to work with state police. We had to work with our congresswoman was aware of it. Senator Pat Toomey was aware of it. It was a very a completely unexpected and, and a, a very dramatic situation for a normal civilian to, to experience, especially in the middle of dealing with COVID challenges. The work that I have been doing in helping women, not just in the United States, but back in Myanmar and other countries, like in Philippines, Cambodia landmine victims, and in the Philippines, we were helping survivors of rape from World War II. We had all these programs set up, our sister programs. All of that were impacted because they were targeting me personally and attacking me and my son for just being related to my father, who is currently serving as the auditor general. And for him, he was a professor, university professor that was asked by the government to serve this role. How did you make it through that? That is an incredible thing to have to go through. It really is. I'm very grateful that I have God (laughs) protecting us. I really don't know how to say this. My fiance, who served in the Navy, he has been there for me and my son every step of the way, uh, especially in the beginning where we were getting death threats. We just didn't know how to deal with it. And in the meantime, I, I had obligations to, you know, make the products and fulfill the orders. And then we have USPS that's not working. UPS International Service or FedEx, they're not shipping anywhere else at that time. I don't know how to, you know, fulfill all these orders. And I, and I couldn't reach any of my team members because, you know, they were also scared in, you know, getting involved because, you know, it, it was a scary situation. If you were my customer, if you made a single comment under any of my product, you would be attacked by these radicals. We don't even know if they were bots. We were reported to, you know, Facebook and Instagram, but it was, I guess, beyond their normal procedures to consider them as, you know, a hate speech or a form of violence. But people on this end that had to receive, I have no word to really express how that experience was, but I'm just very thankful to God that we were able to overcome it. I would just say one thing, I had to stay hopeful that there was a light at the end of the tunnel, and and there was. I shut down for for a few months because we had to move to a safe house. But then I had this opportunity with Asian Chamber, and the incredible board welcomed me, and they learned about my story. Our partners from PIDC, they were like, hey, kind, we want you to know that, you know, we're with you. We understand. We know how politics can affect ordinary citizens' life. And we don't want you to stay hidden. We want you to continue to do what you're passionate about life and what you can contribute and what you want to contribute. We will support you. You just need to stay strong. And then I decided to be brave and took Nick's offer and joined Asian Chamber. And and I have been really blessed with amazing team, amazing board and amazing counterparts like you. It's 180 degrees different looking back a year ago. Again, I'm just going to say it one more time. I think that you're an inspiration. And while we all pray for peace, you have actually survived and thrived. And so my hat off to you, my friend, my hat off to you. Any other final comments that you'd like to leave with our audience? I know that we have in the past and we will continue to do a lot of work to partner to make sure that the Asian Chambers businesses are represented at PHL when they do business. Any final thoughts you want to leave with our listeners? Well, I would just like to encourage 
not just Asian American businesses, but any businesses to, you know, not to be shy and take an opportunity to connect directly with resources because, you know, PHL website is so well done. I've studied it and you make it so simple for businesses to reach out to you and also get access to all the available, you know, opportunities, vendor opportunities, procurement opportunities, you know, supplier diversity. You have so many so many programs that businesses can take advantage of. And I would like to encourage them to really participate because if we're not participating, then we can't complain when our name is not picked. We really have to, you know, put our names out there to be in the representation because representation does matter. You know, people often forget that you can only be represented when your name is out there. If you're not there, you can't complain when people don't recognize what you're doing or what how good your products are. So I would like to encourage every business that there are so many opportunities out there, especially if you are a business in America. This is the best time for every diverse business. America is, believe me, I've worked in many countries. This is the only country that has been trying very hard and that is still trying very hard to represent every single diverse voice. This country tries so hard to accommodate minorities' interests. So I, I would like to you know, give credit to United States for giving all of us the opportunity to live the dreams that we could only dream of when we were in our native countries. So I have zero complaints and I would like to encourage everyone to take these opportunities that are available for all of them. Oh, kind. Thank you. Listen, I could talk to you all afternoon. I, I wish I wish we had more time, but I so appreciate you carving these minutes out of your schedule to speak with me and our listeners and to tell a little bit about your story and the work that you're doing at the Asian American Chamber. I think it's really important work. To learn more about the Asian American Chamber of Commerce of Greater Philadelphia and Kind, please visit Asian chamberphila.org. And to learn more about Philadelphia International Airport, please visit phl.org slash newsroom. I'm Shelley Cameron. Thank you for listening. So post-recording, this is just a note to all of our listeners, because I think I need to recognize the big elephant in the room, which is I have taken a new position within the city of Philadelphia that I've grown to love. When we were recording this session, Kind didn't know, and I wasn't able to reveal that I was offered a position to run the Greater Philadelphia Chamber of Commerce. So I am so excited to be able to continue to collaborate with Kind in this important work, just in a little bit of a different way. Thank you to all of our listeners for all of the time and comments that you've provided over the years. Doing this podcast has been a true joy. Thank you.